I am super excited to be here this morning, as always. Uh, I, I look forward to our Sunday morning gatherings. I look forward to our times in the midweek and when we can do life together and we can serve together. We can help each other grow in our faith. And we've been dealing with this subject of unity. I need you. So John, the 17th chapter, and we'll just read verse number 23 because i got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks um, about the fact that Jesus developed with his disciples, what he developed with his, his, his disciples is embodied in, what, in that word community. Living in community with Jesus, the disciples followed his teachings and his example. And so uh, Jesus built community. He built community by teaching people in groups, both large and small. And we looked at some of his patterns for doing that. We talked about selection. We talked about association. We talked about consecration. We talked about impartation. Last week, we talked about demonstration. And this week, we're going to talk about delegation, okay? Uh, so so look, at, look at John 17, verse number 23, and then we're going, to, we're going to move on to this, okay? The text says this. Here's Jesus. Give us some context. You got to understand the context because if you don't understand the context, you get confused about what the Bible is talking about, right? Here's the context. Here's our master, our savior, our Lord. This is God manifested in human flesh. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is now praying to the heavenly father. Remember we told you that that Jesus taught us how to pray so we can't just pray willy-nilly. It can't be just do the best you can, all right? When you're a baby, it's do the best you can. But once you've been saved for 10 years or more, you shouldn't be still praying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to That's cool while you're teaching your baby how to pray, but you're 45 now. We can go a little deeper, can't we? Nothing wrong with, I, I, I love the model, the problem, but, but Jesus taught us how to pray, so let's learn how to pray. All right, y'all with me? All right, so, so when we look at this thing, we talk about the fact that, uh, uh, that, that, that it's important for us to follow Jesus Christ's example. He says, uh, so he's praying now to the Father prior to his impending crucifixion. And, and, and one of the last things he did, did before going to the cross is he prayed for his followers. He says this, here's this prayer right now. He says, I am in them and you are in me. Talking about his disciples. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus says that through the unity of his followers, through the unity of every born-again believer, the world, the world is the world system. Those who do life outside of God, those who do life outside of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom agenda is God's way of doing things. I quote it quite often, Dr. Tony Evans' definition of kingdom agenda is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of your life. So when I look at every area of your life, from your finances to your marriage, to your work career, to how you relate to your in-laws, to how you relate to your outlaws, whoever you're fooling with, I should be able to see the comprehensive rule of God in your life as you deal with people. Can I get a witness? But it's through our unity, Jesus says, that the world will know and believe that the Father sent the Son and that the Father loves them just as much as he loves him. Okay? Y'all with me there? All right. So, uh, you know, we talked about this. And just, just as a point of reference, we share with you that when it's all, uh, last week we, we talked about the fact that when it's all said and done, those of us who are seeking to train people 
must be prepared to have them follow us even as we follow Christ. We are supposed to be the exhibit. People should be able to see us doing this word and through our doing, through our demonstrating, they will, they will catch hold and, and begin to, to live this life. I like what Paul says, and I'm just going to throw this in. This is not on your notes, but go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, let's look at the second chapter, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Uh, because Paul does something, he shares something here that I think it bears repeating. Now, guys, listen, my prayer for you if you're a member of EBC or visiting, my prayer for you as a Christian is that each one of us will live our lives in such a way that the world could see Christ in us and be attracted to that agape love that abides on the inside of us. Amen? But watch what Paul says here, because again, we're talking about demonstration. Jesus modeled for his disciples what he wanted them to do. Are you with me today? So, but he did that by, by living in authentic community with him. That's one of the tenets that we teach in our new members orientation class. We talk about authentic community, not fake community, but authentic community, something that's real, something that's genuine. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had, quote, a friend who you fell out with and you no longer talk to them because they said something that you didn't like? I mean, just, just look at me. Look, come on, not, not here. I know, I know we all have, have those, those, those people who we used to be in connection with, but now we're not in connection with because they told us something about ourselves and we got offended. See, true friendship doesn't dissipate when you tell me the truth. Can I get a witness? I think it was the Apostle Paul that said one time, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See, I, as a pastor, I've become some folks' enemy because I'm going to preach truth. That's just the way God made me. And, and he called me to preach the truth of the word. He didn't call me to please people. He called me to shepherd the flock. And shepherding means sometimes I got to get the hook and pull you back in line. Shepherding means that sometimes that we have to kind of nurture you along and, and help you get to a place that maybe you can't even see yourself being right now. But I'm here to tell you that every last one of you in here who love Jesus, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Are y'all with me today? He loves you and he wants to utilize you to do kingdom business, to spread the kingdom of God. So watch what Paul says. So we got to demonstrate this stuff. Paul says, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Watch this. He says, you know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. Look at the text. Let's read. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Watch what Paul said. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to... Is, our purpose is to... Can y'all read it with me? Our purpose is to Can read one more time. Our purpose is to please God, not people. Some of you all struggle in your faith walk because you are a people pleaser. I don't want nobody to be mad at me. I don't want anybody to feel a certain way about me, but get over it. When you live for Christ and you stand in truth, there are going to be some people who are just not going to like you. There are going to be some people who just don't want to receive what you're saying, but it's not your job to make them receive. That's the Holy Ghost's job. Your job is to plant the seed. Can I get a witness? Everybody say, my job, my job. 
is to plant the seed. Remember last week I told you that as it relates to seed, I said there are different ways to hear and receive the word of God. In that parable of the sower, Jesus compared the word of God to seed. Y'all remember that? And Jesus warns all those who hear, which is the hearers of those who have a, uh, the, the, the soil that he, he used in that parable. Those were the hearers, the, the condition of the man's heart. How well we receive, how well that word, that seed grows depends on the condition of the heart. So you can hear the very same word. 300 people can be in here the very same word. And maybe, maybe uh, 50 of you all get it in, in other Two, 250. Do y'all not do the math? 300. If 50 gets it and 250 sit up listen to it, but it doesn't impact their lives, it's based on the condition of the heart, how you receive. All right? Can we keep moving? For we speak as messages approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God and our people. He alone examines, He alone, He alone examines the motives of our heart. Who does? God does. Next verse, let's read. Let's go. It says, Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. How many of y'all got some of those friends? Okay. That, that, went, that, that, that reference went over some of y'all's head, but some of y'all from the 80s remember that song, Friends? How many people? Okay. Yeah, all right. Never mind, never mind, never mind. I, that, it just comes out sometimes, okay? How many of y'all know there are, there are songs that you can remember from, from when you were a teenager and you know every word of it, right? Sometimes it just pops out of me. I don't know. I just. Okay. Pretend to be your friend just to get your money. Next verse. Let's read. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. When you learn how to get free from, from needing people to pat you on the back, you're going to be more successful in doing God's will. Okay. Once you get over that need to get, if I post something. And I only got three likes. Oh, they don't like me. Get over it. All right? As for human praise, we, we, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. Keep reading. Let's go. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for our own children. Let's go, guys. We love you so much that we share it with you, not only God's good news, but our own lives, too. Oh, Back up, back up. Here's what we've been talking about in authentic community. Some, of you, some people have the mindset, well, I'm just going to give them the word and I'm gone. But notice what the Apostle Paul says. We love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. He's talking about authentic community. Notice what Paul did life together with his, some of his followers there in Thessalonica. In other words, he, he went over to the house and ate dinner. They, they chill sometimes. And, but he shared his life with them. And I've shared with, I told you before, it's imper- imperative for us as followers of Christ, if we're going to be effective in discipling others, is that we've got to be willing to share our lives with people. And sometimes it gets a little tricky with some of us. Because we didn't grow up sharing. Y'all didn't ever have nobody come to your house for dinner. As a matter of fact, your house was so dysfunctional, nobody wanted to come over your house. Anybody grew up in dysfunctionality? And I, I told you before, we did that series on me and my dysfunctional family. Every family has some level of dysfunctionality. Right? It just depends on what level your family was at. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. That can mess you up if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and solidify who you are in Christ. Okay? But pray, keep praying for your family. When it's family reunion time, 
Don't get all upset. Don't get all upset. When it's holiday time, don't get stressed out. Just make up in your mind that I'm going to be the light that shines in the midst of this dark dysfunction. Amen? We love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Keep going, guys. I got some more verses. Don't you remember, dear brothers, this is how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. He says, you yourselves are our witnesses and so is God that we, we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Let's go. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. He says, we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. He called, yes, you. You, from wherever you're from, you're from Fries. Maybe you're from, from Plain, maybe you're from Benton, maybe you're from the backside of the desert. I don't know where you're from. But God called you. Look at what he says here. We plead with you, encourage you, and urge you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Let's read it. He says this, next verse. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that we received his message from us. That you, we never stop thanking God that when you receive his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. When you come to church, don't think of it as just that Doyle Adams fellow up there talking. Oh, I remember him back from high school. No, I'm just a vessel that God placed here to bring his word from heaven down through a man out to the people. I'm nobody special, all right? So don't even look at me, but listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth and see if they line up with what God's word says, all right? And receive it not as just your pastor, but receive it as Paul said, these Thessalonians believe, they received it as it was, the word of God. Look what he says. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. That's why expository preaching is so critically important that we, we take the Bible and break it open and expound on the holy scriptures. We don't, we don't need, now listen, we, we cover a whole lot of topics and we do a whole lot of uh, uh, messaging, uh, whether it was marriage or dealing with children, whatever. But everything that we do should have a spiritual foundation. It should, it should exude from a, a, a word from the Holy Scriptures. He says, you accept what we said is the very word of God, which of course it is, and this word continues to work in you who believe. Next verse, let's read. It says, and then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitate the believers in God's churches in Judea, who because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. Look at what he says here. Back up to that. I, I need to, I need to you hear this. He says, uh, you imitate the believers in God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people. The Jews, the Jews came against those who received Christ as their Lord and Savior. Those who, who were Jewish by birth, when they accepted Christ, they became what we call Messianic Jews. They believed in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, right? So they received persecution, but what he's saying now is, these Thessalonians, which is a Gentile church. Because remember, Paul, Paul was given the mandate to take the gospel to the Gentile nations, to the different ethnicities. Because again, remember what I told you, as far as God is concerned, prior to the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, there were only two ethnicities that God recognized. You're either Jew or you're a Gentile. And now there are three because the two became one, and now we have the church. Jew, Gentile, the church now. That's what God recognized from an ethnicity standpoint. Did y'all hear me today? 
All right, watch this. So it says, suffer from the, the own people, the Jews. Next verse, read, he says this. It says, for some of the Jews killed the prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now they have persecuted us too. They failed to please God and work against all humanity. Verse 16, we close here. As they try to keep us, as they, the Jews, try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. They didn't want the gospel to go to the different ethnic groups. And Paul, remember when Paul regurgitated his testimony, they listened to him until he says, God sent me to the Gentiles. God sent me to these other ethnic groups, and they got furious. They wanted to hang him. But let me tell you something. The gospel is for everybody. And see, we're preaching unity because we understand that's our mandate as a church. Quit waiting on the politicians, Christians, to solve this country's problem as it relates to how we get along. No politician, Republican, Democrat, Green Party, whoever is going to be able to get this done. It starts with the church. Remember we talked about God's plan for his church. It was a plan that was hidden in the Old Testament where his plan was to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body, the church. So we're, 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 we're called upon to display this unity. By doing this, they continue to pile up their sin, but the anger of God is caught up with them at last. All right, so I, I got to move, y'all. Everybody say, move, Pastor. Now, now three things I, I put on your outline for you. Community perfects. Look, go to Philippians 1, 3 through 6. The context for Paul's certainty and confidence that God will continue the good work he began in the believers is the reality that they are in community together. Community that we're doing life together. We're not just coming and gathering on Sunday morning, but we, we check on each other. We call each other. We even may have somebody over to our house to eat. We may go out to lunch together. We serve together. Now, can we be honest? I want y'all to be honest with me. How many of y'all grew up in a spiritual context where a church life where you saw people on Sunday and didn't see them again to the next Sunday? By and large. I mean, you may have had a couple of friends and you didn't really even serve together because we thought serving was coming and standing on the doors. Us, thank God for the ushers. Thank God for the choir members. But our concept of serving God was so limited, it, it, it was limited to Sunday morning. And what we would do is somebody would come and say, I want to become a part of a church. And sometimes we didn't even ask them if they were saved or not. We say, give me your hand. You, you know, and then they give you your hand. And they never really even had a relationship with Christ. They don't even understand what it is. I want to know, do you know what it means to be saved first before you become a member of a church? Because members of the church should be those who understand what a, what a conversion experience is, first and foremost. And if you can't articulate it to me, it may be that you don't quite understand what it means to be born again. But we should say, we will join the church. We will put them to work. That's not Jesus' model. He didn't immediately put somebody to work. Because you have to be trained, you have to be nurtured, we got to be developed. So he says, every time I think of you, watch this, I give thanks to my God. Next verse. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. So, so for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Keep reading. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am certain that God, 
who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returned. See, when the first Christians responded to the gospel, they immediately threw themselves fully into partnership with one another. You see that in Acts, the second chapter, verse number 42. Don't have time to go there. Cornelia expresses, the Greek word cornelia expresses participation, not just association transformational community. In other words, when you're a part of a community of believers that results in life transformation, because that's what I'm after as your pastor. I'm telling you right now, look at me. Look me in the eye. As your pastor, I don't want you to remain the same. As your pastor, when I observe your walk with the Lord and how you connect with your family of faith, I want to see growth. Because God wants to see growth. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If I don't have any milk of the word coming consistently into my life, my growth will be retarded. It will be stunted. And as your pastor, I love you too much to watch you just stay there and don't grow. So that's why I keep encouraging. I keep nourishing. I know it's going to take you agreeing to participate in your own spiritual development. But I'm going to, I'm going to do my job. I'm not going to be guilty of getting to the Bible of the Christ and I get called upon and God calls me on the cup because I didn't preach truth and I didn't stand on truth. I'm, I refuse to do that. Are y'all with me? I refuse to do that. So Cornelia expresses participation, not just association. Transformational community is much deeper than just association because of proximity. See, I can associate with you, but am I really doing life together with you? It's a shared partnership for spiritual growth. So community perfects. Number two, community protects. Look at Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. It protects. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. When the writer of Hebrews challenged believers to stand firm and continue in the faith, he pointed to the necessity of interdependence and encouragement. Watch what he says. Be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Next verse, he says, you must do what? He's talking to the church. He tells those who are part of the body of Christ. He tells those who are part of this local assembly. He says, you must warn each other every now and then. Just warn them when it's New Year's Eve and say, well, you know, just don't go out there and get drunk too much, you know. How do you get, not get drunk? To, as a matter of fact, you as a Christian shouldn't be getting. Scripture says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is this excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit, with the Holy, let me put it this way, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I know we probably got some sipping saints up in here. But I would tell you, and what I, what I would tell you is that I don't want anything that with any substance in my body that would cause me not to have all of my faculties operating at peak performance. Because the devil is coming after every last one of us. And I don't know about you, but I can't afford to be off my game. And then come back to my you know, baby, I, you know, I, I, I didn't know she, she, she came on to me. I just had a little bit too much drinking, you know, and we just, we just did it. What, what do you mean we just did it? What are you talking about? So, 
The devil is playing for keeps. I'm going to tell you something. You can't afford to not be dialed in. He is after you. He wants to disrupt your testimony and your witness. Because God has called you to be a living witness for him. You must warn each other every day while it's still a day so that, so that none of you will be deceived, deceived by sin and hardened against God. So community protection. We act as a protected protection mechanism for each other when we're operating in authentic community. If you see me going astray, hey, pull my coattail. If I see you going astray, I'm going to pull your coattail. Well, it ain't none of my business. Yes, it is. Because we are our brother's keepers. And how dare you, as a believer, see somebody going into the ditch and just watch him go in the way. Well, ain't none of my business. He in the ditch now. Now, I'm not advocating that you go around snooping in people's lives, but that's why authentic community is, is relevant for us today because if I'm operating in authentic community, we're doing life together, I don't know about anybody else, but, but my wife knows when I'm off. She looked at me this morning and said, say, you didn't get enough sleep, did you? So your eyes don't look right. And, and I got to admit, I did because I, you know, there, there are sometimes God, I was up at two or three o'clock this morning, uh, looking at notes, and I was listening to a sermon at 3 o'clock this morning. Probably should have been in bed. But what the preacher was saying was, 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 hitting, me, was, was hitting me, and it was, it, was, it was nourishment for my soul. And, and whenever I'm being fed, I, I, it, any of y'all this way, when you get into the Word, it gets, it gets mm-mm good. What's that camel suit that had the commercial, mm-mm good? The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you get to the word of God, it begins to, to finish, just kind of minister to your spirit. You don't want to turn it loose. So I was up late. And she's exactly right. I fell asleep. And I, I, it, it was, it, I, I didn't get up when I was supposed to get up. But you may not have noticed that. But she, 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 because she lives with me, because we do life together, she knows those little, certain little idiosyncrasies that I may have. And you know that about your spouse, too. You know about your children, too. Some of you mamas, when your child walking in the, into the door, you, you're like, what's wrong? Come on. He's like, what, 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 mama? What? No, what's wrong? Tim? Come on, come on, son, tell me. Because you, you birthed the child. You reared them. You, you nursed them until they were 18 to, well, 24, not when I was 30. No, no. You, you, okay. All right, you, you, you held on a little bit too long because some mamas like the whole, some mamas don't like to let go. Helicopter mama, helicopter mama. Y'all know what a helicopter mama is? A helicopter mama is one who hovers over their child and not letting them grow into the man or woman that they should be because you step in and solve every last one of their problems. So they don't grow because they got you. They can make all kind of foolish decisions and don't suffer the consequences of it because God is trying to, God, the consequences of their decisions, uh, God, God will turn them over to themselves so they, can, so they can feel the wrath of their bad judgment, but you step in and you interrupt God's judgment in their life. That's why they still, that's why they still fought it and still borrowing money from you. Okay. All right. Can we keep moving? Community protects. 
So when I'm doing life, with, we're doing life together, you, you, you tend to notice when something is not right with me. Or when we're doing, if we have authentic community, now you, there's going to be different levels just like Jesus had. He had the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He had the 12 apostles, right? Then he had a larger group beyond that sphere. I would dare say just like the Peter, James, and John saw him on the mountain of transfiguration. Everybody else didn't see that. So I'm not advocating that you're going to be best buzz with everybody who you're in contact with, but there will be somebody in your life who can sit down and talk to you, look at you eyeball to eyeball, man to man, woman to woman, and say, hey, I, I see you faltering. I, I see you going through some things. Let me pray with you. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on, okay? All right, so, so community protection last community preaches. It preaches. Christian community is a statement of the gospel in the culture. We are recognized as his, not by our cool music, our programs, our vision statement, our facilities, or even our evangelistic zeal. We are known by his, we are known, we are known by our unity. Let me share something with you and understand this as an illustration for community. I want to show you a little video here just short, okay? Because we, we've been called, we've been delegated, we, we got delegated authority. Everybody say delegated authority. See, God has called, he's delegated us to do the work of ministry. Uh, but um, there's a, a, a psychologist by the name of Martin uh, Seligman, and he did some research in the 1960s about learned helplessness. Everybody say learned helplessness. Seligman and his team placed a dog in a cage designed to give electric shocks. And when they hit the cage with a jolt of electricity, the dog jumped and yelped as they expected him to do. And they waited a few minutes and they shocked the cage again and the dog repeated the jumping and the yelping. But after several shocks, something strange happened. The dog responded less and less as he was completely hardened to the impact of the shock. The researchers opened the door to the cage and shocked the dog, thinking that the dog would leave the cage when he was shocked. But the dog stayed in the cage because he was numb to the point of complacency and learned helplessness. And guys, let me say something. In the same way, sin hardens and leaves even believers deceived and trapped while the door to the cage is wide open. Hear me carefully. The old, the old cliche is true. Some of y'all have heard this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Mm-hmm. It will. Let me repeat that. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. So the researchers continued their experiment by involving another dog. A dog not hardened by the electric shock and the learned helplessness of the cage. The researchers walked the new dog into the cage and then jolted the cage with an electric shock. The new dog jumped and yelped as he ran quickly out of the cage. The first dog, seeing that was a better way to live, quickly followed the freedom that was already his. When that new dog bolted, the first dog who had gotten numb to it, he bolted. 
So guys, what, 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 what am I trying to say? When we walk in interdependent relationships, it acts as a protection from the deceit of sin because that first dog was deceived and hardened, hardened by, quote, sin, the electrical shock there. So guys, uh, community preaches from this standpoint, we are recognized as he is not by our, again, the style of music or the programs or the vision or the facilities, but we're known to be his by our unity. Jesus built community by teaching people in groups, both large and small, I said, and his pattern for doing so. The sixth one was delegation. I want to I wanna show you a little video clip of this young lady who's, who's, who lives out, who's, who's been delegated with the authority to, to do the work of the master. Listen to this real quickly, and then I'll come right back with you. Shortly after I gave my heart to the Lord, the Lord began to impress in me to share with others that he loved them. And so it it would happen randomly, like different places like the uh, grocery store or restaurant or parking lot. And um, I would tell them that he loved them. But their response was interesting. They would say, oh, thank you, or not say anything at all. Uh, And sometimes it seemed like they didn't believe me. And uh, so that um, concerned me, and so I prayed about it. And I, I asked the Lord, I said, if this is what you want me to share with people, that you love them, I'm asking you, Lord, um, to impress it in their hearts in such a way that um, it makes a difference in their lives, that, um, that they believe, that they believe it when I tell them. Shortly after, one day I was driving, and uh, I saw a man on the road, and he was this huge man. He was really big. He was tall, and he had muscles all over, and his head was bald. And he was just, he was just so big that he was scary to me. And um, as I was driving, the Lord impressed in my heart to tell him that he loved him. I said... I don't know, Lord. I don't think so. And um, and I said, Lord, if you really want me to do this, then he'll be there when I come back around the corner. I was just kind of arguing with God back and forth on this. So I went around the corner, and sure enough, he was there. And uh, as I drove up to him, I unrolled my window, and... Uh, I said, excuse me, sir, and he bent down. This huge, huge guy bends over into my window, and I said, "Um, the Lord wants me to tell you that he loves you and that you are of great value to him. And when I told him that, this huge, huge man just broke down and started crying, just sobbing. And he said, you just don't understand. I was just asking God if he loved me. And then I, and here I stopped and told him the answer. I cried. I cried because God used me to touch somebody else's life um, where it meant so much to them. It made me cry to um, experience that and to know that God was using me. In this small way, he was using me to touch someone else. I realized that for me, that this was a time for me to be obedient to God, you know, to continue to be obedient. That when he impresses in my heart to tell someone that he loves them, 
that I really need to do it and that he is working in their lives. Listen, this woman, like all of us, have to get to a point where we are operating in delegated authority. When God tells you something and you move based on God telling you in his word and what he impresses in your spirit, then now you're operating under delegated authority. Watch what the word delegation, look at your outline. Uh, the definition of delegation, it means to act. It's the act. Delegation is the act of empowering to act for another. Okay, a group of persons chosen to represent others. It's the act of empowering to act for another. Now, guys, uh, if if you look at go over to Matthew the fourth, fourth chapter, verse number eighteen through twenty-two. We, this the sixth point is delegation, because all of us who name the name of Christ have been delegated with God's authority. Did you understand what I just said? I said each one of us have been delegated with authority from our master from on high. He's given us the ability to go out and do the work that he's assigned for us to do. Look at Matthew, the fourth chapter, and let's look at uh, uh, verse number 18. And and while you're turning there, uh, he assigned them meaningful work, keeping his vision before them, and calling them to fulfill his will. Now, we're talking about these original disciples and what Jesus did with them. The, de- the text says that one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. They were commercial fishermen. Now, some of y'all may fish, but you don't do it for a living, do you? Do we have any commercial? How many of y'all pay your mortgage by way of fishing? I don't think anybody, and I, I know, I know, uh, I, I don't know if they still go as often as they used to, but Sister Gloria and Sister Marie could fish. Well, they could, they could, they could catch some fish, but I don't, I don't know if they still go like they used to go, <laughs> but, but they didn't do it for a living. You follow me? These guys were commercial fishing. Next verse says this, watch this. He says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Next verse says this. He goes on, and they left their nets at once and did what? And followed him. The next verse, verse 21 says, A little farther up the shore he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. Verse 22, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. They left their commercial fishing business to follow the master. Now, some things, I, some points I want to run through real quick as we get, get to the end of this message. First thing we know is, is that he assigned them work. He assigned them work. Jesus was always building his ministry for the time when, when his disciples would have to take over his work and go out into the world with the redeeming gospel. This plan was, 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 was progressively made clear as they followed him. The first invitation to the disciples to follow him said nothing about going out and evangelizing the world. Although this was his plan from the very beginning, all he said was, come, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm sure they didn't quite understand what that meant. But when the master said, follow me, they knew, they could sense the, the, the divine purpose in which they were being called to do so much so that they left their business to follow Jesus. Guys, 
His method was to get the disciples into a vital experience with God and to show them how he worked before telling them they had to do it. He used his disciples in other ways to help move his work along, such as caring for the manual burdens of getting food and arranging accommodations for the group. Remember, many times Jesus would tell them, uh, the 5,000 besides men, uh, besides men uh, sit them down, get them in order, and let's feed them. That's what they were doing when they were initially called, guys. Uh, and it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to take a new convert who just got saved and then go put him to work in, 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 in trying to teach somebody something. They don't even know themselves. There's a process involved before we're really fully prepared to go out and share the message of Christ with those who do not know him. So, uh, so th- they, would, they would feed people. They would, they, would, uh, uh, they would also, he also let them baptize them. Go to John the fourth chapter. Look at this right quick. John chapter four, verses one and two. We'll look at this real quickly and we got to move on. But it's amazing, outside of, you know, feeding, feeding people, doing the, what I call the, 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 uh, the helps work, the stuff of gathering people, make, controlling the crowd, all these other type things, feeding people. It's startling to observe in the gospel that these early disciples really didn't do much more than watch Jesus work for a year or more. But guess what? He was the master. And when you're doing life together with the master and watching him do his work, there's some stuff that you're going to glean and pick up on by following him. The text says Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Next verse says, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So in the early stages of their, of, of their work with the Lord, they were feeding people and Jesus allowed them to baptize some folks. Are y'all with me today? So, but, but all the while, he, he kept the vision before them by his activity and in his call again to these four fishermen, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, okay? But as Jesus was beginning his third general tour of Galilee, he made the decision that it was time for his disciples to join him more directly in the work of ministry. Go to Mark, the sixth chapter, verse number one, because it's time for us to get to work in doing the work of ministry. Now, a ministry needs support in all kinds of areas. I could not do what I'm doing right now were it not for people behind the scene doing stuff to make this happen on Sunday mornings, to make Wednesday happen, to make serving opportunities available and and, and known and coordinated. It takes a team to do ministry. I mean, you guys would be surprised about what goes on behind the scenes. Because most of us, if we're, if we're not careful, because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, we think it's just simple. I remember very vividly uh, when uh, almost, almost uh, it, it, March 15 would be uh, two years to the date, I think it's March 15, when we were told we could not meet. That was the last Sunday, March, third Sunday, March of 2020, when we were told by uh, government authorities that, that it was too dangerous for us to congregate and meet as a church body. And we had to scramble within one week because we were not live streaming. But thank God for those now who are watching us via live stream. But we didn't have this, this opportunity uh, two years ago. And we had talked about it. But you know what? I was, kind of, I was one of those pastors who said, well, you know, we don't need that. I don't want to encourage nobody to stay at home. 
the Bible says, forsake not the assembly yourselves together as a matter of some is, but come together even more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10 and 25. But you know what? Why, when we couldn't come, we had to, way of, had to have a way of getting the word out to you. And what God showed me along the way, he said, if you're going to do it, don't do it half-heartedly. If you're going to put my word out, if you're going to take the, the, the worship experience and make it available across the country, across this globe, try to do it with a spirit of excellence. So we scrambled. And it took, a, it took us a while to get our rhythm but my point is this, it was people behind the scene rushing, trying to get things together, uh, researching, figuring out how can we effectively get the message out to those beyond the four walls who can't come in here. And we're still utilizing it, and we're, we, we call ourselves a hybrid church because what God said is, dummy, I gave you a tool to allow you to reach beyond Benton, Louisiana. God said, everybody is not going to drive the Benton. Another thing that God told me was use it as an opportunity for people to who, I don't know about you, but when I go out of town and I'm looking for a church, the first thing I do is Google, put up the website, look at some services, see if I want to go there. And, and, and what I've learned is and we ask people who come to be a part of our service, how did you first hear about us? And many of them have said, you know, we, we, we're on 12 radio stations across the southeast. Many have said we heard your radio ministry. Many have said, we watched your live stream for two months before we ever stepped foot in that place. Because, think about this for a second, we have an Air Force base there, Barksdale Air Force Base, and thank God for our military men and women. Give them a hand right quick. And I'm going to tell you, as I watch what is going on over in Ukraine right now, I have even a deeper level of appreciation for those who, who, who voluntarily submit themselves for military service. Because you never know when the time is going to come when you got to go fight. So I thank God for our military people. We ought, we ought, they need to be paid well and need to be supported. How many ex-military do we have up in here or current? Listen, thank God for your service. Are y'all tracking with me today? Thank God for that service. But, 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 but guys, listen, when we think about this for a second, you know, how, if somebody moves here in, in a station at Boxdale, and they live in Bossier or live in Shreveport, are they going to automatically drive to Benton to find, find a church? Pro- probably not. But if they're driving in their car and they turn it on 1480 AM or 94.9 FM and they hear our message at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they may say, hmm, I kind of like what I heard. Where is this place? Where is this place called Benton? I told y'all before, I was from Benton before it was cool to be from Benton. It's cool to be from Benton. Now, everybody, come on, somebody say everybody. Everybody moving to Benton now. But I was from Benton before it was cold to be from Benton. But you know what God has done? God has, has, has had a flood of people come to North Bossier Parish, and now he's allowing us to minister to those folks. Can I get five witnesses up in here? But some would have never heard about us had we not utilized that tool and utilized it in a way that would make them want to come and investigate. If we just put an iPhone up there shaking, Poor lighting, you know, having all kind of stuff coming. You know, uh, 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 Johnny, it's your time to say your perm. Okay. Come on, say it. Come on, boy. Now, who's going to watch that? I'm sorry. How many of y'all remember Easter poems? How many of y'all had to say an Easter poem 
Some of y'all look at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, in, in, in many of our churches in years gone by, and we might do that one time. We had an Easter poem or a Christmas poem. And, and, and many times the parent had to strong arm the child to go up there and, and recite their poem. Come on, you know it, say it, you know it. Child, just tell child. And all that's on your live stream. And you think somebody's going to come to your church? So God said, do it with a spirit of excellence. It's going to cost you some money to do it right. But I've graced you with the resources to make it happen. And I did that for a purpose because I know y'all are a giving church. Oh, glory to God. I share with the finance committee, and I do this quite often, I share with them a 20-year historical projection of, of the budgetary receipts of this church. And over a 20-year period, it has increased significantly uh, over the past 20 years. Significantly. Because God is... God recognized that we're going to be a graceful church and we're going to be a giving church and we don't, we don't tolerate foolishness when it comes to the, God's resources. I don't want you coming here to sit on chairs that are tore up and cut up and then be like, that's the best we can do. If that's the best you can do, that's cool. But, but you ought to be able to do better than that. Don't, don't, have, don't, 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 don't let me come to your house like in Habakkuk. I think it was Habakkuk talking about the fact that the folks' houses were nice, but when the Lord's house was left in disarray and disrepair, something was wrong. So God has graced us to be able to do this stuff and we, we try to do it with a spirit of excellence so that people can recognize that, that we're serious about presenting this gospel in a way that you can understand it and you can grasp it and take hold of it, okay? That was a little sidebar there. Are y'all still with me? Can we come back to town? All right? Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So my point was, God is utilizing this technology now to take this gospel message and this service across the globe. We have people that listen to all across this country. And we have people who, who heard about us through the, the live stream. What if I had been that pastor that said, well, no, we ain't doing that. What I've learned is, is you can sit there as a church and say, this is the way we've always done it and stay that way. And you're going to find yourself graying out and dying out. The message of the gospel does not change. It's Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, and resurrected. That will never change. But how we do ministry better change if we're going to reach this unpoor generation. Can't do it like we did in 65. Can't do it like we did in 85. We can't do it like we did in 2005. As God gives us strategy for doing ministry, we got to be willing to be flexible. And not beholden to our tradition to the point that, and there's nothing wrong with tradition as long as tradition don't violate the word of God. But Jesus said, your traditions have made the word of God of non-effect. Your traditions have called you not to obey the word of God because I just don't see it. I didn't grow up that way. Well, if God is trying to change you, you got to be willing to let go of tra- tradition in order to reach people. So my question to you is what's more important, your tradition or reaching people, reaching people with the gospel. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Watch this, guys. My time is moving, and I was supposed to finish this today. 
Lord Jesus, say pray for Pastor Adams. <laughs> the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Now, I, I, I don't need y'all to miss this. Because, see, God has some things inside of you that folks are going to be amazed at when he begins to utilize you as you yield your will to his. And many who, who heard him were amazed. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this, guys. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles. See, here's what happens when folks are familiar with you. When they know your nickname, Boosie, or whatever your name was growing up. <laughs> what, what Boosie doing up there trying to preach? What's Ray Ray doing? What's, what's she she? Whatever your nickname is. <laughs> the next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue. Wait a minute. The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Next verse, he said, what? Come on, let's go. Then they scoffed. They scoffed. They, they became indignant. They kind of got mad at him. What'd they say? He's just a carpenter. Then they started naming his kinfolk. Anybody, anybody, anybody? Yeah, yeah. That's Martha Pearson daughter over there. Who she thinks she is? That's Monty Hardeman's son over there. Who does he think he is? That's Sally Mae Jenkins' daughter right there. Who does she? That's, that's Big Mama. I forgot your mama's name. But that's Big Mama's daughter. Minnie. Minnie Lee. Minnie Lee Francis' daughter over there. That's what it, am I lying? Look at he. They said they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. I know what Jesus says. Watch this, guys. They knew him. See, some of y'all right now, some of you got kid folks, some of your sisters and brothers think, who do you think he is? You think he's better than us now because he stopped drinking with us. They stop arguing and cussing and fussing with us. They go on that doll out of the church. I think it's a cult. Why do you think it's a cult? What, what, you used to drink with us, but now you don't. You used to smoke that weed with us, but now you don't. You used to whore around with me, but now you don't now. Your pastor telling you it's a sin for you to engage in premarital sex? Yes, I am telling you that because the Bible says that. Flee. Run from sexual immorality. Run from sex outside. God has an order. And and, and you got to decide. And and, and United Methodist brothers are going through a, a denominational split right now over the definition of what marriage is. And whether or not a man can marry a man or a woman. But I, here's what I will tell you. I don't, I love everybody. And we're going to minister to everybody. And you may be struggling with same-sex attraction. But same-sex attraction is no different than sex outside of marriage. Now, we don't like to think of it that way, but it's all sexual immorality. And so all of it is wrong. So let's don't, let's don't just talk about the same-sex attraction. Talk about the attraction you got for Rayway and you run over his house. Giving your stuff up and you say, Is that a little tough for you all? Am I talking too strong? 
sexual immorality. Guys, here's why I'm, here's why I'm telling you. And you can ask, uh, action of our law enforcement official. The decadence that is being r- raised on our children. Th- th- they're arresting people every day for child pornography and indecent, indecent behavior with juveniles. Catching them every day here in Bozier Parish. I'm not talking about cattle parish. I'm talking about Bozier Parish. Grown tail men sleeping with 13, 14 year olds. It is sickening y'all. And that stems from sexual immorality. That stems from pornographic images that have been viewed and, 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 and have, 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 cult, have, 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 have disrupted the mind flow. And so they're acting this stuff out and they're doing this stuff. And guys, we as Christians have a time to say, that is not right. So sexual immorality is a sin. And we, we, we're gonna, if we're going to talk about it, we've got to talk about all of it. So wherever you are, listen, I love you. And, and, and I'm, but, but we're going we're gonna to say what God says. Because I tell you what God says, it doesn't mean I don't love you or that God doesn't love you. Let me, let me, let me say this, and I, and I, I got I to gotta move. Because you have an attraction for somebody who's not your wife or your husband, um, or, or if you if you if you jump off into that adulterous relationship, do you think God look at that different than He does the other? Sin is sin in the eyesight of God. It's, it, it stinks in His nostril. So anytime we His children dip off into sin, we we cause a barrier to be created in our relationship with God. So let's do what's right, okay? All right, so let's read this. Then Jesus told them, watch this. They were talking about him. They scoffed at him. They said, that's Mary and Joseph's boy. Ain't he a carpenter? What is he, what's he doing talking with such wisdom? Like that? Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown. <laughs> and some of y'all can feel it. And among his relatives and his own family. Everybody else can appreciate you, but your own family. Your family. Your mom and daddy sometimes. Your uncle and them. A prophet is honored everywhere else except his hometown. Check out your own life and see, see what people who see you, who know you, they think less of you than someone who you're blessing. He says, I got to move you up. Watch this. Next verse. Come on, we got to go. Uh, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any. And because of their what? And because of their what? And because of their what? Now here it is, the master. God wrapped up in human flesh. God manifested in a human body. The text says, I didn't say it, the text says he could not. And the KJV says he could. The KJV didn't say he couldn't do many mighty works. He said he, the KJV says he could there. Where? In his hometown of Nazareth, he couldn't do many mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. What I'm telling you is God is wanting to do some supernatural things in your life, but he can't move because of your unbelief. Because everybody's told you, well, you know, that, that's not rational. That's not, that, that's not possible. Let me tell you something. I serve a God who specializes in the impossible. I serve a God who's still in the miracle working business. Don't you tell me what my God cannot do. I've seen him work miracles in my life. I've seen him 
touch other people's lives and transform them. So God, I trust you. But the master couldn't do many mighty works there. Watch what he said. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do many, any miracles among them except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. That's why some churches don't experience a move of God because there's so much unbelief there. There are some who think, well, you know, the, the, you know, God don't move that way anymore. When did he change? His Holy Spirit is not doing what he did. Why wouldn't it? If Jesus left the comforter, the, 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 the paraclete, the one who's called alongside him, if he left the Holy Spirit here to help us walk this walk, it, wouldn't it be unfair for him to take him away? So the Holy Spirit is still active. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the, I do. I don't know about you, but I do. Because I've seen, I've seen what he's done. I believe in spirit. I'm not a cessationist. I believe that spiritual giftings are still available for the church because God left them for the church. Some believe that it went away with the canonization of Scripture, but that's not because when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. But we now know in part. Do you still know in part? That's why I want to ask you a question. Because when that was supposed to come, if it, if, it, if it was talking about the Bible, then now you would no longer know in part. There's a whole lot of stuff I don't know. I need the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to help me to understand it. My time is out. And because of the unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. Look at the next verse. Watch this. And he was amazed. He was amazed. See, if Jesus comes knocking on your door right now, would he be amazed at your unbelief? Would he be amazed at how much you doubt him? He said he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. Can I pick up next week? I'm going to pick up next week here. Because I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. He assigned them work. And he, at the end of this discord right here, we're going to see what he sends them forth. After not doing very much, but, but helping feed some people and baptizing a few folks, year or so just watching the master work. And now it's time to go forth. That woman in the video went forth doing what the Lord had told her. She was being an ambassador representative for Christ. God has called all of us to move and work for him. Are you ready to move? Are you willing to believe? Faith cometh by and hearing by. If you have no word, you won't have any faith. If you don't have any faith, you won't believe. He was amazed at their unbelief because they could only see him as the carpenter's son. Can you believe God for the impossible in your life? Every head bowed, everybody close. Father, we thank you.